I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is the chemistry lab. You're I just, on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help Let what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sebelia with you up until 2 o'clock on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation Jam Pack Show. So let's get right to it. We've got John Wildhack set to join us at 12.15. Emily Liker, she's the new football beat writer for Syracuse.com. She'll join us at 12.30. We've got the head coach of Bayheim's Army, Jeremy Pope, set to join us at 1 o'clock. And then our good friend John Ryan, professional sports better, normally comes on uh, Fridays, but uh, since we are off this Friday due to the 4th of July holiday, uh, he will come on with us today at 1.30 and give us his best bets for the weekend. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls at any time at 315-437-7644. And for those of us on QSportsTalk.com, you see that uh, Paulie and I are uh, are socially distancing today as a precaution. He's at uh, the Galaxy Radio Studios. I'm here uh, at Channel 9. Uh, good afternoon, Paulie. How are you today? I'm doing good, Steve. I'm doing good. I can't wait to talk to John Wildhag. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Yeah, coming up in 15 minutes. He was all over the news yesterday, Steve. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that. that. That always seems to happen when I take a random day off. There always seems to be a lot to talk about. And there was <laughs> certainly a lot to talk about yesterday. Yeah, um, the the big quote. Yeah, I mean, we might as well get right into this, right? The yeah, the big um, the the big quote. Yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, I've got the I got the damn Q Sports Talk double feeding us. There we go. Uh, that uh, you know the big quote, right? Was Dino is not on the hot seat, according to Co- or, yeah. uh, John Wildhay. I, I feel good about the trajectory of the program. You know, the 2022 schedule is daunting, as we know it. But I think you know it's really easy to say, well, okay, let's come out with a list, right? And, and the list, you know, who's on the hot seat? Dino's not on the hot seat, okay? Dino's not on the hot seat. I'm really pleased with what we've done in the past six months. And I think it's a table setter for what we can accomplish in 2022 and beyond. You're right, Coach and I and Coach Beck. Um, totally unexpected that they would become a valve. Terrific additions. You know, Bob Ugaszewski, he's won a Super Bowl. You know, with the Steelers. He is you know, his special teams coordinator, cut right out of central casting. Michael Johnson, wide receiver coach, is coach at a very, very high level, a really good recruiter, a really good developer of talent. So I, I, I like where we're headed. Anything from that? So that was John Wildhack yesterday. Um, it, you know, it. I, I don't know what purpose really that serves anyone to come out before the season and for the leader to say that, you know, the coach is on the hot seat. So I, I totally understand where John Wildhack's coming from. Um, I think we can all agree it's a really important year, Paulie, for a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, for John to say that they're building towards something, I think, I think that's what we've been talking about on this show, that you look at the offseason and – you, you make fun of me when I say they won the offseason. They they have won the offseason, though. And let's see let's see what happens from here. I uh, This may be a harsh reality for Syracuse fans, and they may not want to hear it, but it, Syracuse paid Dino Babers after that 10-win season, 
and we all sat here and begged them to pay Coach yeah. Gravers after yeah. that 10-win season. Make it happen. Right. The, the reality is is he may be here for the the length of his contract, right? This, Syracuse isn't Alabama. Syracuse isn't an SEC school where you could pony up the money and pay someone out. They went out. I'm thinking most assistant coaches and highly recruited quarterbacks from an SEC school aren't coming to a school where the coach is only going to be here for one year. You know? Yeah. I, I, I really think that he's here for two years. It, so is, do I. Is a two win is a two win season acceptable? No. He may be gone after that. Are are there caveats that he may have to go? Yeah. But he's gonna get his chance to correct it. And as a business, that that's the road Syracuse has to take. Is it a good PR move? No. Is is his seat hot? We don't get to make that decision in the media. You know, I, I saw Brent's I saw Brent's uh post, you know, is his seat hot? Yeah. No, it's not up to us. It's up to it's up to the university. Is our blood boiling if they're losing? Yes, we're getting hot. Is it a great PR move if he sticks around? Probably not. But it's not our decision or or the fans' decision. The fans ultimately will have the say if you know if they don't show up. But we don't get to choose whether a seat is hot or not. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the extension because what was the the talk at the time was, well, Syracuse isn't going to pay him. How could they? You know, if he gets away, how could they let him get away? They're not serious about football and. Then they pay him, and now people are upset because, well, things have gone south, and how, how can you not get rid of him at this point? So uh, I'm with you, Paulie. I, I think he's here for the next couple of years, and he will. He's been given every opportunity to turn it around. Right. And I, I think at some point, you got to stop with the, the coaching carousel, and, and you need stability in the program. And they're hoping, obviously, that Dino is the guy to bring them stability. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. There's been a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs in recent years, and I get that. But he is going to have, as you just mentioned, every opportunity to right the ship. And if two years, you know, two more years go by and he still hasn't righted the ship, then, you know, I think both sides can walk away saying they gave it their best shot, right? Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel like Syracuse was pulling the trigger too soon. Um, he's going to have the opportunity and, and let's see what he can do with it over these, these two years. But again, whether his seat is hot or not, I guess that was the point I was making off the top of the show, Paulie, is that John Wildhack's not going to come out in late June and say, you know, bowl game or bust or like, like that doesn't do anyone any good. Maybe it makes the fans feel good, but that doesn't do the program any good. And and his priority obviously is the program and what's best for Syracuse university and Syracuse football. He's not going to come out and say, you know, he's got to win six games or he's gone. Um, but I'm with you. I think he's sticking around. The other thing is, is it's not just paying the coach out. Like we don't know the contracts of the assistants. If, if they all go, they all got buyouts, right? You know, so it would not be cheap. And Syracuse isn't in that position. And he does a lot of good things. He's, you know, he's not hurting. And, you know, when I, on the PR front, he's not bringing in bad kids. They're graduating. He's as good a guy as you can find. You know, I I don't have an issue with it. If, if the win total is, comp, you know, the same as last year or, you know, or better. They they are going to find themselves. The John Wildhack's going to find himself on the PR hot seat if the wins are very minimal this year, right? You know that you yeah, got to do something. And Paulie, 
we do this with with quarterbacks all the time, right? We we say, well, the excuses are out the window. You know, maybe the quarterback didn't have enough weapons, but now he's got a running back, and now he's got receivers, and he's got a tight end and an offensive line, and the excuses are out the window. And and I kind of feel like that about Dino, right? Is that you, you could point to, well, you know, there was COVID, and then there was a, a you know a, a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, and and you know they they've had some things obviously uh, against them. Um, you know, not knowing who their quarterback was at the start of last season. Now you look at this, you say, well, the excuses are out the window. They got all of these, you know, these quality assistants in place. They've got a Heisman caliber running back in the backfield. Uh, you know, their defense has come along. They have a lot of options at quarterback. If you can't find a quarterback out of the the stable that you have now, then there's a problem. It feels like the excuses slash reasons are gone and it's like, okay, if if you can't win now in these next two years, then they're probably going to end up parting ways. But he's got two years to show that he can win with uh, with everything he has at his disposal now. Let me ask you something, Steve. You know, we don't get to decide, but what is your proverbial hot seat going into next year? What well, what would you put a record that is acceptable and unacceptable? Well, as you said, I mean, I think two wins that that's hard to that's hard to overlook. Um, it's hard to imagine, though. You know, too, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm seeing a lot of you know national experts. The over unders came out. SU's at four and a half. I've seen a lot of the the gambling experts, the college football experts. A lot of people love SU to go over four and a half. Um, if they're under four wins, like if you're talking two or three wins. That's going to be tough to explain. Um, I also don't think that's going to happen. You know, I think this team is is winning. You know, four or more games. Um, but I, I think that that you know, if if they win, if they go one and eleven or two and ten or three and nine, all bets are off the table. Um, but with this schedule, they if they win four or five games, it. it that's about what you expect out of this team, and and again, let's see it. You know, if they're if they're losing those, if they're losing the games that they're losing by, you know, three touchdowns or more, that's one thing. You know, last year we saw that streak of three straight games decided by three points, and they lost all of them. Now, you obviously want to win close games, and some of that can be reflected on, uh, you know, back on the coaching staff certainly. Um, but if you're losing by three touchdowns instead of three points, that's that's a big difference as well. So I, I do think we need to see it and go through it. But as I said at the top, and I'm, I'm not saying anything, you know, this isn't breaking news. This is a really important year for this staff and for this program. Right. And the other um, thing, Steve, I want to for a lot of reasons. I want to throw at you is that that the fan base couldn't be any more apathetic than it already is. Right. It's it's been decades. Right. You know. I don't feel like, Feels like that, yeah. I don't feel like the football program is in a spot where two years is going to cause more fans to jettison. The you know, that's it, fair. It's not. It's, that's fair. It's not a pretty sight in the dome now, right? You know, when they're yeah. playing home games, it's pretty sparse. So, you know, if you were coming, yeah, I think for a lot of reasons, we're you know we're on the same page for a lot of reasons here, and there, there are a lot of indications pointing to. Dino's going to be here in 2023, but again, if if they go two and ten, I, I think it's it, it may be a different conversation. You better Probably find should that be money. a different conversation, but I I don't I don't anticipate that that that's going to happen. Yeah, nor do I. Uh, 
We'll certainly talk more about this. I know we had more sound to get to from yesterday, but uh, on the other side of this break, we've got John Wildhag joining us today uh, to go over some of these things. You know, his quote about Dino not being on the hot seat to go over this new scheduling model that has been adopted by ACC football and will be put in place in 2023. We'll talk with SU's Director of Athletics, John Wildhack, next on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Stephen Fonsi, Paulie Sibilia, back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. As promised, we go right to our guest line to bring on the Director of Athletics at Syracuse University, John Wildhack, joining us on the show. John, uh, thanks so much for coming on, finding a, a few minutes for us. How are you today? I'm well, Steve. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing great. We're doing great. Lots to talk about, uh, obviously, uh, especially coming out of yesterday. And, uh, you know, you held sure. that press conference yesterday right after our radio show uh, got off the air. Uh, let, let's start with the this new scheduling model that's been adopted by the ACC. I know that you worked very hard to make this happen, uh, this new 355 scheduling model. And, and John, it, it, to me, it seems like a win-win for everybody involved. The The conference... Uh, the student athletes, uh, Syracuse football. I think the fans benefit from this. Uh, it, it seems like there's there's positives all the way around. Uh, you know, what do you make of this new scheduling model? Why were you such a big proponent of it? Well, Steve, I, I uh, definitely a big proponent of it. Michael Strickland, who's the associate commissioner of the ACC, does football scheduling deserves tremendous credit for his work. We I. You know, Michael, along with three other ADs, Dan Radakovich, uh, Carla Williams, Bob Cunningham, and I, we comprised the subcommittee. And I think we put Michael through like 50 iterations of this. So um, he, he, he wins uh, he wins some kind of a prize for that. But, well, yeah, you know, I look at this from a couple different lenses, Steve. Number one is we all represent our 14 institutions. We also need to do as best for the ACC. And I think this is best for the ACC football brand uh, for a couple of reasons. <clears throat> Number one is we preserve the traditional rivalry games, which are critically important. Number two, our bigger brands will play each other more frequently, and we need that. And, and I'll give you an example of you know, two of our bigger brands are Miami and Clemson. Well, when they're in opposite divisions, they play once every six years. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. So by playing each other twice in a four-year period, our bigger brands play each other more frequently. I think that will be good overall for the perception of ACC football. To your point, for the student-athletes, you're here for four years. You're going to play at every ACC venue. Um, and, again, I think that should be part of the college experience. There's some great venues in, in, in this league. Virginia Tech's a great place to go play. Um, you know, Georgia Tech down in Atlanta is great. Florida State, Miami. Obviously, schools like coming up here. Kids, kids see our opponents. They like to play in the Dome. You know, there's no other place like it in the country in college football. So I think it's good for the student-athletes. I think it's good for our fans because we're going to see schools more frequently in the old model of the divisions, we would host Miami once every 12 years. Now we'll host Miami once every four years. Um, the other thing that I like about it is our three permanent partners. Um, and this is a four-year cycle, which I should point out. 
But our three partners, you know, BC and Pitt make perfect sense, and we tried to do two of the three partners, you know, where there's geographical you know, alignment and some history there with rivalries, and then we gave Michael Strick a little more flexibility for the third opponent. I like Florida State because now, in between Florida State every other year and playing in Miami once every four years, we will play in Florida uh, three out of every four years. That's important for recruiting. We'll be in Atlanta more often with Georgia Tech. Um, we'll be in North Carolina more. We'll be in South Carolina. We'll still be at Clemson in, uh, once every four years. We recruit those states. Obviously, everybody knows we recruit uh, Florida heavily. We recruit Georgia. We recruit South Carolina. We recruit. We recruit North Carolina. Um, our primary recruiting is the I-95 corridor, playing in Virginia, Charlottesville, you know, two hours from Washington. So I think it helps us in, you know, from a recruiting perspective. I think it can help us with parents and recruits. It makes it easier for them to see their son play. I think it's great for our fans here because we're going to have a, a, a more variety of teams which come through the Dome. So I think that'll generate excitement as well. So I really think this is a significant step forward. Uh, by the conference, again, I'm, I'm thankful for my three colleagues who worked really, really hard on this with me, uh, to Michael Strickland at the conference office and Jim Phillips for his support. You know, John, how did you guys go about getting the, the, the three teams? I get the Northeast thing, and you brought up the recruiting. How did Florida State happen? And, you know, you say it's a four-year thing. Moving forward, would it be, maybe be more important to have one Northeast, one Florida, one North Carolina school? Yeah, I, I don't know, Paulie. And it's you know, I think that's the beauty of this. Is it's four years, so let's see how it works. Again, I think it'll be infinitely better than the than than the divisions, the current format. At the end of four years, if we need to tweak it a little bit, we can. Um, you know, I think Pitt and BC. You know, we've got such you know a history with with those two schools that makes sense. Um, Florida State really came about. Uh, Mike Alford, their AD. Mike and I had some conversations in Amelia Island, and Mike wants to get his brand up in the Northeast more. Um, as I said, we recruit Florida critical critical state for us so we want to be in florida you know so mike and i we got together in about you know 45 seconds we said you know we'd be really happy being a third partner you know playing each other and we went to michael strickland and said hey if this helps michael you know plug us in florida state and syracuse are fine playing each other every year you know john from a conference perspective too i mean it's no secret that the the balance of power um, it, it hasn't really been equal in, in recent years. Let's just put it that way. The Atlantic Division has been so much more difficult than the Coastal. Um, and, and now I, I'd like to think that the ACC has a better chance of actually getting its two best teams in the conference title game. And that hasn't always been the case. It's been, well, you know, Clemson is going to win the Atlantic. And then you get somebody who, you know, might be 500 or a little bit better from the Coastal. And it, you know, turns out to be not much of a, of a conference championship game. Does this... Do you like this because it gives a, a team like Syracuse uh, more hope <laughs> that's stuck in that in that Atlantic Division with Clemson that they can you know find their way to the conference title game and and they don't necessarily need Clemson to lose two games in a year to do it. Yeah, I think I think it does to some degree, Steve. And you know the one thing I'll say and in, in, uh, you know this this is from Dabo Sweeney. I remember talking to Dabo at a spring meeting and he said, "Listen, he said every school in this conference has players. Every school can play." 
you know, if you don't show up ready to play, you're going to lose in this league. This league, I think, is underappreciated. I think it's vastly underrated. You look at the quarterbacks in the conference this year, and you look across, you know, nationally, it's the best crop of quarterbacks of any conference in the country. So having our two best teams playing the championship game, conference championship game, makes that more attractive. And I think, listen, guys, it's inevitable, in my opinion, the college football playoff will expand. And if we have our two best teams who are playing in the championship game and we know that the selection committee puts a premium on strength of schedule, that can increase the likelihood that our second or even third place team can get in the playoff. And if our team who wins the regular season championship loses in the conference championship game, they very well may get be uh, may get selected for the playoff based on their regular season record as well. So I think that can lead to increased opportunities for ACC schools to make what I think will be an expanded college football playoff in its next iteration. Yeah, it makes uh, so much sense for so many reasons. Uh, we're, we're glad that it's happening. Again, that new scheduling format goes into effect uh, in 2023. The other big headline from the press conference yesterday, John, was was obviously when you were asked about Dino Babers and and his status and whether or not he's on the hot seat. And, and you made it certain uh, you know, that, that he is not on the hot seat going into 2022. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And, and in case our listeners didn't hear that yesterday, um, if you could bring them up to date on, on where Dino is and, and his, his status with the program right now moving forward. Well, I think, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased with the off season that we've had Steve in, uh, you know, much has been written about our four new assistants, um, you know, Robert and I and Jason back from Virginia and obviously they had great success with Bronco Mendenhall at UVA and before that at BYU. You know, they, they, they are proven professionals in the coaching ranks. Bob Ligashevsky, our special teams coordinator, he won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. Um, you know, special teams was an issue for us last year. Let's face it, um, special teams will be better this year. Uh, Michael Johnson, our wide receiver coach. Michael is his coach and recruited at the highest level possible. He's a really good recruiter, really good developer of talent. And then you take those four and you blend them with our six returning coaches. Um, I think this is a really, really strong coaching staff, top to bottom. Um, so I'm really pleased with, with the changes that Dino made in his staff. We've also reshuffled. He's reshuffled the recruiting department. Um, Gino was promoted. Uh, Khalil Ahmad, who came to us for Rutgers, Khalil has been a terrific addition. He is a dogged recruiter, has great connectivity in New Jersey, in the New York City metropolitan area. Um, Mackenzie, she joined us from Ohio State. She's got a wealth of knowledge and experience. She's uh, for someone you know as young as she is. So I think our recruiting department is stronger than it was. Um, so when I look at you know, when I look at the program in totality in the off season that we've had, you know, I think in some ways this is almost kind of a reboot, right? Um, when you have change, you know, that we have had. And I want to give the staff the time to, uh, you know, to develop um, as as a staff and, and to show what they can get done. And we've got momentum on the recruiting front. I can't say much, uh, I can't say anything specifically about individual recruits, but um, we've had more visits here, I think, in the past 45 days than we've had, you know, in a long, long time. Um I think there's interest in our brand, and I think that's going to have a positive impact on our recruiting. So I like the overall trajectory of the program. Do we all want to win more games? Absolutely. You know, absolutely we do. 
Um, but I think part of it is, is let's make sure we have the tools in place where we can win and compete again. And, you know, in a very very challenging conference, and our 2022 schedule is is daunting. You know, I think it's like five of the top 15 teams in the way too early top 25 or whatever they call it. So, um, you know, we've we've got it's going to be a stiff road in front of us. But I like uh, I like the progress that we've made. John, you touched on it a little bit there, but what what would be your message to the fans who are growing frustrated and impatient and thought that 2018 was the proverbial turning of the corner with the program and, and then you know the, a step back here in, in recent years? What would be your message to them as you look ahead to 2022 and 2023 and, and hopefully brighter days ahead? Well, I think a, a number you know, number one, our, uh, we're, we're incredibly thankful of our fans and, and thankful of our fans who support our program and support our players. And again, I, I want them to know how hard we are working to to improve this program. Um, and one of the ways you do it is through personnel. And again, I, I think we have taken significant steps forward in personnel. No disrespect to to uh, to uh, predecessors. Um, in those specific roles. So I think, you know, when you combine that, um, again, our recruiting, the momentum that we have, I understand fans, they, they want to win. They're, they're impatient um, at times. And, and by the way, it's their right to do so. I get it. We all want to win more. And I think we're on the path to do that. We all have the same goal, Steve. We all have the same goal. Um, we want to do it together. And I want this community to be proud. I want this community to be supportive of our program. You know, the opening game, Louisville primetime, 8 o'clock, you know, September 3rd. You know, we need, you know, we need the JMA Dome. We need it rocking. You know, Louisville hasn't been up here since 2018, I think it was. You know, the last three years we played down there. You know, we've got we've to welcome them and, and, and let them experience firsthand how difficult it is to play when this building is, is, is pumped up. John, I got two more for you. Uh, I know we're running short on time, but I, I want to make sure we hit on these points. Uh, you mentioned the Lally Athletics Complex yesterday. Uh, I just wanted to get an update on that and and what you know fans can expect to see when this thing uh, comes to fruition, and and really mainly the the difference that athletes will see uh, when it comes to fruition. So I think you know we're, we're on track with the with building the you know, the new entryway, which will also increase our academic support space significantly. Um, and this is all designed, Steve, the Lally Athletics Complex. It's all designed for the student experience and to provide the absolute best student experience in every way that we can in everything that will be housed in the Lally Athletics Complex. And then lastly, uh, and you touched on this yesterday as well, but I think it's an important point to bring up. Uh, we know that in, within the last year, you know, Brittany Smith was hired to lead the hockey program. Felicia Leggett-Jack hired to, to lead the basketball program. Kayla Trainer just finished up her first season uh, as the, the women's lacrosse head coach. We're now up to uh, six female head coaches at Syracuse University. When you arrived here, uh, there was just one. I wanted to get your thoughts on that and and why that's been a priority for you. It, it seems like it's been a priority for you to make sure there's you know diversity across the head coaching staffs uh, at SU. Yeah, and Steve, I think it's important to have diversity across the entire organization, um, and certainly that includes our head coaches as well. And we're fortunate; we've got six 
female head coaches, they're all extremely talented. They're all extremely dedicated. They're great representatives of our community, of our university. Uh, we've also, five of our coaches are also international. And I, and I think, you know, I, any good organization, you know, you need to reflect the, the, the audience that you serve. And what we serve is we serve, you know, 550, 600 young people, you know, student athletes. Um, and, you know, about 15% are international. Uh, we have more female student athletes than male student athletes. So I think our head coaching ranks needs to reflect uh, those that we serve and, and we serve our student athletes. And then I guess lastly, John, uh, you know, we had Andrew Goodrich on last week to, to talk about the NFTs and obviously NIL is a, a big topic of discussion. It, it seems like Syracuse University is, uh, you know, trying to, to do its best like everybody else to, to uh, understand the rules and to be on the cutting edge of, of what's next in the NIL game. Do you feel comfortable with where SU is right now when it comes to NIL and, uh, and, and you know, as you talked about the student athlete experience at Syracuse University? I feel comfortable with the options and the opportunities um, that we're providing our student athletes, and, and I think that's really, really important. Is, is candidly, what we what we need is we need more local businesses to 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 to, con- to get in touch with us and to and to think about what, you know, how they market, when they market, who markets on their behalf of utilization of our student athletes. I mean, you know. Uh, we could have, you know, a company could call us tomorrow and say, you know what, I want three athletes to come down and sign autographs for an hour. And in and, and most NIL deals, Steve, are not, you know, what you know, the ones you read about are the outliers, right? The three million here, the seven million here, you know, reports of that, right? Most deals are relatively small, and I just think I think it'd be really great if more of our local companies thought of our student athletes as, as ways they could engage their their employee base more. They could represent their company. We've got some out, you know, it's so many outstanding young men and young women. They can do it in a variety of ways. We want to do it right. We want we we support 100% the ability of our student athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, and we want to give them every tool and every asset to do exactly that. Well, listen, John, uh, you were very gracious with your time today. Sorry we kept you so long. We had a lot of ground to cover. Uh, thank you for coming on, and uh, hopefully, you and the family can enjoy some some downtime this summer. And and I'm sure we'll be talking SU sports again before we know it. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Polly. I appreciate it. All right, uh, there he is, John Wildhack. And with that, we will take a timeout. We'll uh, take a quick break here, and then we'll get right back into Q's football. we got Emily Liker from Syracuse.com set to join us on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.